Hi there, I'm Maddie and I serve on the Joy Production team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Through taking the time to listen to this message, we pray you'll not only come to know more about God, but you'll come to know more about yourself as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. But in Ephesians 3.20, he says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think, no matter how big you can think, there's more. No matter how impossible, no matter how big that you can dream, that you can imagine, that you can expect, that you can think, God says, there's more. And not just a little bit more, there's exceedingly and abundantly more. If it's every person in your family saying, Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord, the ones you've been praying about, there's still more. If it's every person in central Minnesota, there's still more. If it's this church making a difference, not just in central Minnesota, maybe not just in the state, but in the United States, in in, in this world, there is still more. This God who formed mud in the ground and breathed his life into humanity and and created this incredibly complex human stuff that we are. This God who created a tremendously powerful nation out of a couple that could not conceive a child. This God who uses the weak and the the, the foolish things to confound the mighty and the weak. This God who, who created a small little baby, the most vulnerable of creation that there could ever be and caused him to become the savior of this world by defeating the devil, kicking him in the backside and destroying death with himself. This God who did all of those things avails himself to you and he says, there is still more. How many believe there's still more? How many believe you have not yet exhausted the plan of God for your life? You've not yet exhausted the will of God, the purpose of God for your life? You've not reached the end of your... How many of you have breath this morning? Guess what? If you have breath this morning, you're not done yet. I say, you're not done yet. And this idea of more, we did a series last year called There Is More, and uh, I believe that as a church, to a certain extent, we're living in some of the more that we talked about, we're believing God for, but I still believe there's more. And uh, if I would want to condense this series into one thought, which is really difficult for a pastor to do because he may have one thought, but he'll explain it and and explain it and explain it and then explain it again. Um, But it's simply this, if you want more, how many of you want more? Let me, give you, let me give you a quick key to more. Jesus told us in the book of, uh, book of Mark chapter 16, he gave the disciples, uh, uh, his followers, go ahead and put that up if you would. He, he gave his followers a command. He said, I want you to go do something. Everybody say do. do. He said unto them, go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized. How many of you believe this morning? It's about half of you. All right. For those of you that don't yet believe, you've come to the right place. Because what you're about to hear is detrimental to your ignorance. Hallelujah. (laughs) Going to all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. He he who believes. How many of you believe? All right, we got more believers now. Hallelujah. He who believes and is baptized. How many of you were baptized? All right. If you weren't, we're having a baptismal service end of October. Shameless plug. All right. (laughs) 
He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe. How many of you, well, no, never mind. I was going to ask you, how many of you don't believe? It doesn't turn out real well for you if you're not a believer in Christ. In fact, let me just say this to you this morning. If you're a follower of Christ, if you believe in Jesus, if you've been born again, then this life and everything you're experiencing is as bad as it will ever get, and it's only going to get better from here. Praise God. If you're not a believer, if you're not a follower of Christ, and if you've not been born again, this life and what you're experiencing right now is as good as it will ever get. It only gets worse from here. And you're given a decision. You're given a choice. Believe in what Jesus did for you on Calvary's cross, shedding his blood so that you could be saved or choosing to go your own way. And I've just a little hint, spoiler alert, don't go your own way. I know there's an old song, you can go your own way. Don't do it. Boy, I'm never going to get through this message. All right. He who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. How many of you are believers? There should be in your wake, there should be in your life signs that follow, things that happen in your life that are a result of your followership of Christ. And he goes through and he talks about several different, very miraculous, miraculous things that happened as the followers of Jesus began to do what he said to do, signs Followed, And as I was thinking about this, and I want to expand on this thought a little bit more this morning, because uh, if you saw the imagery, the stitching that, that, that goes in, and there was a thought that occurred to me that, that, that often in life we're, let me just explain it this way, often in life we are very, very aware of the stitch. We're, there of the, we're aware of the one thing. Or there might be one thing or two things. We're very aware of the minute. We're very aware of the daily But every one of those stitches is made up of a thread. And there's a difference between a stitch and a thread, obviously. And the thread is is many stitches together, or really it's, it's woven together. And if you can pull back even farther from the stitching, then you begin to see what it is that the was in the heart of the mind of the person who was doing the stitching. And similarly, in life, when we follow Jesus, we're, we're consumed at times with the stitches. We're consumed with the daily events. We're consumed with the, the one thing that happened or the other thing that happened. But if we take a step back, we began to see that there was a thread, that there was a, a theme, that there was something that was going on. And if we could take a step back farther, we see that, wow, there was a whole thing that unfolded. There was something else that was in the mind of the creator. And that's how I like to view the Christian life. There are things that happen on a daily basis, that happen regularly. But when we pull back a little bit, and I I see it in preaching, we're going to begin a series next week that we're calling uh, Breaking Free. Uh, And and if I could condense this series into, into maybe one thought, if you want more, more is going to require you to move. Because that's what happened. In verse 20, Jesus said again, they went and they, you know, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Verse 20 says that they Verse 20 says, there it is, and the answer says, and they went out, and they preached everywhere. They went out, they moved, they did something. The Lord working with and confirming the word through the accompanying signs, amen. God said, I want you to do something. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. They began to do it. They didn't know what they were going to, they didn't know everything that was going to happen. They didn't see everything. They were living in a stitch. 
And this, how, this, I think, is many times how this verse in Mark 16 plays out. These signs will follow. That there are times that we'll turn around and we'll look, and we're, we're very aware of the stitch. We're very aware of the daily But when we turn around and we look at our life, we see that there were some things that were a common theme that God has woven in our life. And that eventually, I believe, and I'm 61 years old, thank God. I'm as old as I've ever been, but I'm not as old as I will be. And and, and I can see this more and more. That when we pull back, you know, Jeremiah 29, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts to give you a hope and a future. God sees the whole fabric. He sees everything. He knows everything that's going on. And our life individually is a part of a bigger fabric that God is wanting to weave, not just in our lifetime, but throughout history. He's always, always had a people. He's always had a, had a, had a nation, if you will. In the book of Psalms, it says, one generation will praise your works to the next generation. And the idea being that there would always be a song of praise, that there would always be a shout of praise throughout all of humanity and throughout all of history. So he said, these signs will follow. Signs follow movement. Say that with me. Signs Signs follow movement. If you're not seeing signs in your life, perhaps it's because you've not moved If you want more, how many of you want more? You're going to have to make a move. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to take a step. Peter says, if you you draw near to God, what's God going to do? He'll draw near to you. I think that we should always desire and want God drawing closer to us in our life. Amen? And so in this idea of movement, and, and next week we'll talk about breaking free. And last week, you know... Again, I know we have great communicators here. We have other people that could preach, and I sort of apologize. Don't apologize to you for coming to you the way that I did, but I wanted to share some things, and it's incredibly awkward and difficult to preach to an empty room. It's way more fun when there's bodies in the seats, amen? I don't know if it's that way for you or not, but boy, well, you've probably never been where I am, so maybe... <clears throat> some of you might be comf- more comfortable if there's nobody in here. And uh, But anyway, <clears throat> as we... You know, next week we'll begin this series called Breaking Free. And I, I mentioned four things last week, reasons that, that keep us grounded, that keep us stuck, that we don't move. And, and sometimes it's fear. We're afraid of what we're going to give up or we're afraid of what's being asked of us. We're afraid because we just don't know or we don't see. We only see a couple of stitches. We don't see the thread. We don't see the entire fabric. And so because of fear, we stay where we are. We're, 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 you know, we're just locked in there. Sometimes it's a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. You don't know that there's more. You don't know that you can take some steps. And sometimes it's because of what you can't forget. Things that happened in life, maybe you didn't choose them to happen, but they happened to you. They happened around you, and it's tough to reconcile. And because you can't forget, there's no hope in your life. In the book of Lamentations, it said, when I choose to remember you, I have hope. And if you're here this morning and there's not any hope in your life, if you feel like you're stuck in a rut, and somebody said this, that a rut is simply a grave that has both ends kicked out. You're stuck. And sometimes you're stuck because you won't let go of the past. You can't forget. You're so consumed by the stitch of life, the thing that happened to you, that you can't let it go. And I fear where a lot of the body of Christ is, We've kind of overcome some fear. We've overcome some of the lack of knowledge, and we've gotten comfortable. 
And we sort of settled into this area that we used to know the familiar voice of God. We used to know what it was like to actually worship God unabandonedly. We know what it was. We used to know. It's what was written in the book of Psalms in chapter 78 where it says that they, they knew God. But those things slipped. And they forgot. And it says, it's amazing to me, but it, but it says that God wanted to bless them. And they could, God could not bless them. God wanted... I hope that you're not here this morning thinking, I don't know why God's not blessing me. I, I, I sure want God to bless me. Well, maybe it's because you're in that position. Maybe you're, you're in that place this morning. I wrote it down. Uh, um, they forgot the miracles that they had done, that God had done, the deliverance from captivity. Can I tell you this morning? You're free. You're free this morning. And I know that a lot of you, it's, it's like the price of lettuce. My, 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 you know, somebody one time, this is years ago when we were living in Texas, and so I said, did you see the price of lettuce? It's a, I don't even remember what the amount was, but all I remember was I had no clue. I didn't know if that was a good price or a bad price. It's $1.49 a head. And I was like, oh, because that answer works. Because I didn't know if that was a good deal or a bad deal, and I didn't want to appear ignorant. <clears throat> which is really difficult for me because that's an easy look for me to pull off. <clears throat> and we do that sometimes in the body of Christ. You're set free. Oh, well, if I am, then how come I'm not? If I am, then how come I'm still bugged by stuff? How come I'm still, how come this, how come that? And, 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 and we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. You, you, uh, you shouldn't miss it. I don't think you should miss it. But God's got, God's got more for you, and there's some things that hold you back. And I want to I wanna kind of go back to this, kinda, this thought. It's a perspective. And I want to finish, and I love one, one service Sundays. Uh, there's a lot of energy. There's just a lot of fun. But you know what I hate about it? Every Sunday we'll have about 100 people less. It, feels, it doesn't feel like this place is packed. We have 100, less on, 100 to 150 people less on a Sunday when we do one service Sunday. So thank you for being here. And all of you that are watching at home, we love you. Yeah. <laughs> We're glad you're here however you got here. Amen. But, but there's a perspective that I want you to see this morning. I believe that this will help you. and It'll help you in, in understanding that if we really want more, it requires movement. But there are things that hold us back that we need to get free from, that we need to break free from. And that's where we're headed next, next week. And so this idea of stitches and thread and the whole fabric and all, all those other things. The Apostle Paul, we're going to go to the book of Philippians. But the Apostle Paul, he wrote this book of Philippians. And he was in prison while he was in uh, well, he wrote this book. He actually wrote what we call the prison epistles. There were four of them, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon. Paul was in prison, and the book of Philippians is crazy. The book of Philippians is known as a book of joy. Now, think about that for a second. The apostle Paul wrote a book about joy while he was chained to a guard in a prison for a crime that was really trumped up against him. He's doing what God wanted him to do. We think, woo, if, if we're doing what God wants us to do, woohoo, we're gonna, you know, just going to be smooth sailing. Paul was doing what God wanted him to do, and it wasn't so smooth. And so in, in the first chapter, he says this in verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, if we would look at life in the stitch, 
the one or two events that happen in life, Paul has a perspective here. And if Paul wanted to, he could let you know what has happened to him. He could go into a victim mentality that says, you know, this food is horrible in here. In fact, I don't even get any food. I'm in the inner prison and all the sewage drops down to where I am. Not only that, I'm chained to a guard and I didn't commit any crimes and I'm just doing what God wants me to do and people don't like me. And sometimes that's our default in life when the stitch doesn't go the way that we want it, when our life isn't what we want or we get into circumstances that we didn't choose and yet it's hard. And Paul again, he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what, that what has happened to me. He didn't list all the grievances that he could have listed And there's something really, really powerful in this. Again, if you want more, you're going to have to make a move. You're going to have to decide some things. And Paul is talking about a choice that he makes. It's something that he's choosing to do. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance. Everybody say advance. Advance. This cause, and actually the word advance, it means this. It means to, to make progress despite opposition or extreme blows. To make progress even though it's difficult. He said, what's happened to me has happened to advance the gospel. Now now stop. Wait a minute, Paul. How could you being, you're in prison. You're chained to a guard. How is this advancing the gospel? How is this this bringing Jesus to the world when you're confined inside of a cell? Paul chose not to look at the stitch. He chose to look at the fabric. He didn't choose to look at the moment. He chose, good grief. He chose... He chose to look at something bigger. He chose to look at something better. He chose to put his trust in God rather than the temporary moments that that he was going through. Because the stitches of life look like I'm a prisoner. I'm in jail. I'm a victim. But the fabric of life says God's got a plan and there's a process that I have to go through for the plan to be accomplished. And I may not understand. I might not know how long I'm going to be in these chains. But I do know this. The gospel is going to be preached and the gospel is going to go forward because of what was going on in his life. He didn't view himself as a prisoner. He didn't view himself as a hostage. He didn't view himself as a victim. He goes on in verse 13, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He didn't say it's been pleasant. He didn't say it's been easy. He didn't say that, you know, that, that, that God was doing this to him necessarily. He just says that I know that While I've been here, it's been evident what my purpose was. And my purpose is to be a follower of Christ. Verse 14, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. I'm here for the defense of the gospel of the gospel. I'm not here because of evil men. I'm not here because of the Romans. I'm not here because, you know, God wanted me here necessarily. I'm here because of the gospel. I'm here because of my purpose. No matter what the circumstances, my purpose doesn't change. 
No matter what the circumstances, <clears throat> my reason does not change. There's something that God wants to bring out of me, and God wants to minister through me. And again, he says, as he says in verse 17, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. How many of you know that, you know, it's, it's like, how many of you ever had this happen? When you're down, it's like somebody wants to kick you even more. Kind of what was going on in Paul's life. And Paul had a perspective, rather than looking at the stitch, rather than looking at the moment, rather than looking at the temporary, he could draw back. Now, this next verse, this, this verse is going to make you sleep better. This verse is going to make your sky bluer and your sun brighter. Verse 18, but what does it matter? <laughs> what does it, in the context of eternity... In the context of eternity, what does the one little stitch matter? In the context of this great God who's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think, what does the one stitch matter? If we could get that into our heart this morning. Now, I'm not saying that going to work tomorrow doesn't matter. I'm not saying that a job, I'm not saying that relation, that your husband, your wife, your kids, I'm not saying that those things don't matter. But there's a key in the perspective of life, and there are things that keep us grounded. There are things that hold us back. There are things that we are afraid to step into. And like a chain, when we're, Paul's chained to a, a guard, and he's, he's in the prison. And, and, and when we feel like we're about to make a move, if we want more, got to make a move. One step towards God. And God will take a step towards you. And we want to move. And I can feel it in here. You want to move. So he's like, I don't know what to do. I heard Pastor John talk about circles. Maybe that would help. But make a move. Maybe it's just to stand up and break free. <laughs> and just lift your hands to God and worship him. Let it flow from your heart. What does it matter what people think about you? What does it matter how you feel? We let everything else matter than the only one who actually does matter. Amen? Amen. Glad there's only one service today. <laughs> what does it matter? You think of all the things that Paul had been through, all the things that he had gone through, and he's able to say, but what does it matter? He had people telling lies about him. He's put in prison, and he didn't deserve to be put in prison. He said, what does it matter? What does it matter? In the next part of this verse, what does it matter? The important thing is, I put a blank here. The important thing is, this will determine your perspective. This will determine how fulfilled or unfulfilled your, your life actually is. This will determine how much peace you actually have, how much joy you actually have. How you answer this question, how you fill in this blank. But what does it matter? The important thing is, and if the important thing is your popularity, if the important thing is if people like you, then you like you, if the important thing is your position, if the important thing is your income, if the important thing is everybody liking you, if the important thing is everything going your way, if the important thing is you having the last word, if the important thing is you being right and everybody else being wrong, if the important thing, 
this shapes your perspective of what's important. And what we put in this blank, not on a Sunday morning while you're hearing me preach, but what we put in this blank during the rest of life will determine whether whether you're going to stay stuck, whether you're going to stay chained up, or you're going to take some steps, you're going to move. And for some of you, the greatest movement doesn't happen out there in doing something. It happens up here. A change of perspective, a change of seeing things. Again, what what does it matter? The important thing is, and the most powerful thing that God has given to you is your choice. This is what Paul is saying while he was in prison. I could choose to focus on how unfair it is. I could choose to focus on me being a victim. I could choose to focus on all the people who are stirring up junk against me. I could choose to focus on that, but I'm not going to. Because the important thing is, and can I tell you this morning, there's a lot of stuff that we worry about that doesn't matter. There's a lot of opinions that we worry about that doesn't amount to a hill of beans. There's a lot of stuff we are trying to please people when we should be trying to please God. What does it matter? The important thing is. The priority for Paul was never to be popular. The priority for Paul was to do what it was, whatever he could do to advance the gospel. It's like, Paul, we're going we're gonna to put you in prison. Well, good. I've, I've got some letters from some other churches that have a lot of questions. I'm going to get to write some things down. That's really, well, we're going to chain you to a prison guard. Well, that's good because it'll get lonely in prison. I need somebody to talk to. And I can, I can, I can kind of live out my, you know, my, my teachings. I can talk to. In fact, some of the, cha- the prisoners or the guards that were chained to Paul ended up being followers of Christ. Yeah. They're like, Paul, we're going to kill you. And Paul's writing. He said, well, I'm in a straight, I'm between a rock and a hard place. Should I stay here or should I depart and be with Christ? Better to be with Christ. But they're like, Paul, they're not giving you a choice. <laughs> they're going to kill you. <laughs> and Paul's like, well, good. Then I get to go home. I get to go to heaven and see Jesus. It, it's going to turn out okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When loving God is the most important thing. It doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what people do. It changes your perspective, and it helps you to make steps. It helps you to move forward. He says in verse 18 again, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And can I tell you that Christ can be preached more than with just words? Christ is preached in our life. Why do you act the way you do? Because I'm a follower of Christ. Why do you respond the way that you do? Because I'm a follower of Christ. Why is it that you're always so stinking happy? Because I'm a follower of Christ. Why is it that you're crazy? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm a follower of Christ. Like somebody said, you're nuts. Yeah, I might be nuts, but I'm screwed on the right bolt. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> you can't hook your joy in your life to the crazy person next to you at work. You can't hook your joy. You can't hook your life. You can't hook your sense of fulfillment on the political process, on on Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal. Don't hook your joy up to that. Don't hook your life up to that stuff. Not that it's not important. It is important. Pray for your president. Pray for your country. Pray for what's going on. Yes, absolutely. But know there's a greater process and a greater plan that's in motion. And the thing that matters is our followership of Christ. Paul's in prison. He's talking about chains. But he's really talking about a choice that while he's in the chains, 
He's not a slave. While he's in the chains, he's not, you know, he's in prison, but the prison's not in him. He's not a victim. He's a victor. Just a thought. So he goes on, verse 18, one more time. <clears throat> what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, Paul's choosing something here. And he said, because of this, because I'm choosing this, because of this, I rejoice. Everybody say, I rejoice. rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Paul's not rejoicing because of the stitch. Paul's not rejoicing because he's in prison. He's not rejoicing because he's in chains. He's not rejoicing because of all the things that happened. He's rejoicing because he sees a bigger picture. And today, you might be in something that you didn't choose. I don't think anybody ever sets out in life to get a disease. I don't think anybody chooses to start a marriage with divorce in mind. I don't think anybody chooses to go into business to have that business fail. But there's a perspective of life that we can have that while things happen in us and around us and to us that we don't choose, there's still something that is powerful. And it's not a something, it's a someone. His name's Jesus. And he's still for us. And he's not against us. So what does it matter? So because of this, I rejoice. I'm choosing, I'm choosing something. I'm choosing an attitude of joy. I'm choosing to rejoice in spite of what's going on around me. My perspective will change. When I understand what I'm connected to, you can be connected to your past. I got it right here. Yeah, your perspective, go ahead and do this next one. Your perspective and priorities are the product of your connections. When Paul said, but what does it matter? The important thing is how you fill in that blank, that's your priority. That's what's most important to you. The important thing is, now we can all sit here in church on Sunday morning and nod our heads in agreement. Yes, Jesus is the most important. Yes, the gospel to the world is the most important. Yes, God is the most important in my life. But that's lived out on Tuesday. It's been powerful in your life on Thursday. Where the rubber meets the road, where real life begins to happen, what's important to you begins to be lived out. And it begins to be revealed. But what's important to you, and that perspective is a matter of, is, is, is proven by and shown by what you're connected to, or really your connections show what's important to you or what really matters. If I'm only connected to my past, if I'm only connected to my hurts, if I'm only connected to the, they done me wrong, if I'm only con- connected to the victim mentality, if I'm only con- connected to the, the failure of my life, if I'm only connected to those things, <clears throat> I'm going to hear a message like this, and I'm going to want to take a step. I'm going to want to move from that. But because my connection is based in the past, I can't move. I can't go forward. I can't go on. Because what's, what, what, what is important to me... My mom was raised with the mentality, the idea that, uh, of scarcity, of lack. She grew up during the, 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 the Depression. And so what was important to her and what mattered to her was some financial security, that I have enough money. Until the day she died, she was worried that she would not have enough. All of her life 
was based on the idea, will I have enough? And every time she wanted to take a step, she was held back. Every time she wanted to do something, there was something in her past that she was connected to that, that wouldn't let her go forward. If you're raised in an environment where people aren't encouraging and, and, and maybe your thoughts are, are, are that, that you don't matter, you don't measure up, you're not good enough, you're going to want to take a step. But because you're connected to your past, you can't. You're chained to that and, 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 it, and, it, and you're, you're chained to memories of the past that, that won't let you go. But there's freedom that's in Christ. There's freedom in Christ. Your choices will either keep you a prisoner or be a passport that moves you forward. Because you can, you, you can choose something different. The Bible tells me that if I keep my mind on him, I will, I will have perfect peace. The Bible tells me that if I... <laughs> Know the exceeding great and precious promises. That by these exceeding and great and precious promises, I'll be a partaker of the divine nature. I'll partake of something that is divine, something that is living, something that is alive. And instead of being chained to my past, I can be chained to my Savior. I can be chained to the one, chained to the one who makes the difference in my life. Chained to the one who redeemed me. Chained to the one who, who purchased me out of destruction, out of the pit of hell, and put me on a solid foundation, a solid rock, so that I could sing and lift praises to him. I'm not chained to my past, I'm chained to the promise of God. I'm not chained to the past, I'm chained to the life of God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Every single day you choose your connections. Every day. Every day. You choose what you're going to be connected to. Either you're going to be choose, you're, you're going to either be connected to your past, you're going to be connected to the victim mentality, you're going to be con connected to what the opinions of other people are, or you're going to be connected to Christ. In John chapter 15, and I'm just about done here, John 15, 5 says, I am the sprouting vine, and you're my branches. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. I, I pray that you see this. Jesus is the vine. He's the tree trunk. You're the branch. He goes on and he says, as you live in union, union with me as your what? What does that say? As your source. If you live in union with me as your source, you are as one right now with Jesus as a tree trunk and a branch are. You're going to drive down roads and you're, you're going to start seeing orange basketballs in fields. They're called pumpkins. It's amazing to me. Drive down the road for, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks, and then all of a sudden it's like, who put all those basketballs out in the field? Doesn't that seem like that? It's like, you know, the, the, the grass kind of dies down, and all of a sudden here comes, it's like it's just there. And there's a vine. There's a branch, and then there's a pumpkin. <laughs> and in the same way, Jesus says, if you live in union with me, connected to me, he goes on and he says, fruitfulness, <clears throat> fruitfulness will stream from within you, but when you live separated from me, you're what? I think there are far more Christians who feel powerless. And part of the reason you feel powerless 
You feel like you're a victim. You feel like life is stacked against you. You feel like nothing is going your way is because somehow you're living separated from him. You see, there's the legal side of redemption, but there's also what we call the vital or living or, or true side of redemption. How many of you know Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will make you free? But we always forget the word know. When you know the truth. It's the truth that you know, the truth that you apply. Actually, the word know, it, it, is a, it isn't just knowing about. It is a deep connection. Actually, we're all adults in here. The word know actually has a sexual connotation to it. It is a deep and intimate thing. You can know about something, but you can have that deep, intimate connection. That's what that word know means. When you know the truth, not knowing about it, not having some ideas about it, not have, having heard it, but when you know that, when you've experienced the truth, then that truth will bring freedom into your life. But the truth won't bring freedom into your life until then. And you'll remain connected to your past. You'll remain connected to those failures rather than connected to the life of Christ that's available to you. So you can live disconnected while you are connected, if this makes sense to you. You can be connected, but your life and the way that you're living it is to live as if you are disconnected. And I think what God wants us to do, and I think what God wants us to know this morning, and as we move into the next, this next series, if you want more, because he is more. Some of you want deliverance in your life. You want freedom in your life. But that freedom and that deliverance is not going to happen in your life until you get to know the deliverer. And I don't mean just bowing your head and saying yes to Jesus. That's an important first step. But it's getting to know him. It's getting to be con convinced that he loves you. In 1 John, <clears throat> says that we have known and believed the love that God has for us. We don't just know about it. We've experienced it. We've known. And because we've experienced it, man, we believe. And there's a depth to it. There's an unshakableness to it. God is so much better than what you and I know. He tastes, Scripture tastes and see how good He is. He tastes so much better than the taste of this life. Would you bow your heads this morning? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we love you. And Father, we want to know you better. And Lord, for many, we, we just don't know how. And so, Father, I pray that you would open up our eyes today, that you would help us to taste and to see, to experience how good you are. Would you all stand together and let's just, let's just lift our hands to heaven. I, I want every follower of Christ, every believer, just lift up your hands to heaven. Forget about what does it matter what people think. What does it matter... <clears throat> That, that maybe this has never been your habit before. What does it matter if that to you it seems like it's extreme or that it's weird or that it's... What does it matter? Because the Bible says lift up your hands and lift up your voices. 
And who cares what other people think? Who cares what you think? What matters is what God thinks. What matters is what God says. Oh, we lift up our voice to you this morning. We lift up our hands to you this morning. And Heavenly Father, we ask you, reveal yourself, show yourself. We want more of you in our lives. We want more of you in our thoughts. We want more of you in in our present and in our future. We want more of you. And so, Father, we take a step towards you this morning. We take a step towards your love. We take a step towards your forgiveness. We take a step towards your mercy. We take a step towards your grace. And, Father, because we choose you today, there is hope in our heart. There is hope in our life. There is hope that our tomorrow will be different than our yesterday. We are not chained to our past, but, Heavenly Father, we're chained to our Savior, and we're chained to that grace. Oh, Father, we thank you for that this morning, and we bless you this morning. We praise you this morning. We exalt and magnify you today, and Father, we shout to you with a voice of triumph. We rejoice that you are good. We rejoice that you are alive. We rejoice that you're powerful. We rejoice how great you are. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, you are good. You are good. You are good. You are good. Yeah. Father, I thank you that chains are being broken today. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that something is happening deep in our heart this morning. Father, I thank you for working. I thank you for freedom this morning. I thank you for freedom this morning. I thank you for a sense of lightness. Hallelujah, Father, that our cares and our burdens, (laughs) that we've laid them aside. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed today, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus your Lord, you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus said in John chapter 3 that unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. It's a decision, a choice that you make. Because you can't save you. And like I said earlier, if, if you're not a follower of Christ, then what you're experiencing today is as good as it will ever be. And it's only going to get worse. But God has made a way through his son, Jesus. And if you're here today and you want to make Jesus your Savior, your Lord today, would you just simply just slip up your hand real high this morning? If that's you, yes, sir, thank you. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Anyone else this morning? Just hold your hand up real high. Thank you. Yeah, hands going up all over the place. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. I know today that I need a Savior. And Jesus, I'm asking you today, come into my life, forgive my sin, unchain my past. I choose today to be connected to you. I believe you died for me. I believe that you're alive today. And I declare today, you're my Savior, my Lord, and I'm forgiven. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for these many that have prayed this prayer for the first time. And I believe that you've begun a good work in them. And we as a church want to want to partner with them. We want to help them to become all that you want them to be so that your will and plan and purpose is fulfilled in their lives. That they would make a difference 
in central Minnesota. And so we thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, if you love Jesus, then clap. Give Jesus a big praise.